0: W-M-Q-A. Hello and welcome to W M Q A presents For the Children, our occasional dive into the world of all ages comics. I'm Dan Grote.
1: And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week, we're plunging headlong into the world of Jeremy Whitley's Princeless. And to help us, we've got a returning guest. You may know him as half of the podcast Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. It's Rick Heineken. Glad to have you back, Rick. Why, thank you very much. It is a pleasure to
2: be here. And as many of you know me, I am also known as Not Jeff of Jeff and Rick Present. <laughs> uh, and just as
0: a reminder, uh, wmq and and WMQ Comics are now part of the Xavier Files Media Empire. So that place you were already going for X-Men criticism, you can now go for all our stuff, including this podcast. Uh, but Matt, before we get too deep into the weeds on this week's topic, what is princeless? Well, do you want the short
1: version or the long version?
0: Uh, keep it simple for me, baby.
1: A princess escapes her tower, and her dragon and her best friend, who is a half-dwarf, go on a quest to save her sisters from their own towers and learn about themselves on the way.
0: Sounds like a fantastic tale of personal growth and female empowerment. All right. Now, like, now make like popular wide receiver football McDimples and go long.
1: Prince was created by Jeremy Whitley and artist M. Goodwin back in 2012, although various other artists have drawn the series since, mostly Emily Martin, uh, but also Rose Stein and Ted Brandt, and some others. Uh, The series focuses on Adrian, who is one of the seven daughters of King and Queen Ash, who uh, when each of the girls comes of a certain age, are put in a tower, guarded by a mythical creature, until a prince comes to rescue them. Adrian does not want to wait to be saved, though, so she befriends the dragon who was guarding her, named, her, named the dragon Sparky, and sets off to save her sisters. Uh, those sisters include uh, Alice, who is the eldest and a scientist, Antonia and Andrea, uh, the super competitive and super magical twins, Anguas, the middlest gothy, twin, uh, gothy one, uh, Angelica, the most beautiful sister, who's more clever than people give her credit for, and Apollonia, Uh, the youngest, who can talk to animals. Uh, Oh, uh, spoiler warnings. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Please. That is a very good point. Because
2: you think you just spoiled some of it right there.
1: (laughs) A little bit. A little bit. I I didn't spoil any of their fates, though. (laughs) Yes. uh, So uh, leaving the tower, Adrian arrives at a town where she befriends Bedelia, uh, the daughter of the local smith, Uh, who's been sort of doing her father's work uh, all these years as he's kind of crawled to the bottom of a bottle and hasn't crawled his way back out. Uh, And Bedelia makes uh, new armor for Adrian and decides to go off with her and help her on her journey. Uh, Their quest is made more difficult by mercenaries sent by King Ash to bring the knight who killed his daughter since there's no way in his mind... Adrian could have done all the things she needs to do to escape. Along the way, readers also meet other characters and fantasy creatures. Uh, There's a recurring subplot that focuses on Devon, Adrian's one brother, who winds up caught in the middle of a conflict between elves and wolf folk in the woods. Uh, Devon was a disappointment to his sort of macho father, as he's poetic and quiet, and he finds his own heroism along the way. Adrian also meets Raven. Uh, Xing Tao, the princess of a pirate kingdom who is betrayed and exiled by her two jerk brothers and who gets her own spin-off series what starts out as a quest story slowly evolves into a fantasy epic as adrian reaches each of her sisters and finds they all don't need to be saved in the way she thinks they do adrian grows up over the course of the series learning about herself as well as her sisters. And as the series, which has released nine of its ten volumes, nears its conclusion, it seems that the talents of all of the ash sisters will be needed to stop an a coming invasion from the enemies of the kingdom
0: uh so a question for both of you guys uh as as the uh noob in the room, so to speak uh why why did we pick princeless for this episode? what's the uh you know what what is it that speaks to both of you? Rick, you're our guest. Why don't you go first?
2: I think that I think that it's a a fun twist on a well-known story. In fact, it's a fun twist on many well-known stories. It's the damsel in distress that's waiting for her Prince Charming to come save her. And this puts that all on its head. Instead, she's going to save herself, and in turn, she's going to save all of her other sisters who all have been put in a similar predicament. And it's a lot of self-discovery. It's a lot of like, like Matt said, female empowerment. Uh, it's got a lot of openness about uh, sexuality, about uh, assumptions, about um, race and class, and it, it takes all of that and puts it in a easily digestible all-ages volume. It doesn't it doesn't really beat your head over. It, it really doesn't beat you over the head with its message and yet at the same time it's pretty forceful in how it presents it it, it doesn't shy away from the questions it doesn't t- shy away from uh, the, the talk that's in there and it's something that's enjoyable for both adult as well as a kid I was going to try to have my daughter available but then I remembered oh yeah tonight she is out doing her dance so she's not here and going to get home much later so as I've been reading this, I've just been passing it off to her. And like, you know, do you have any questions? Are you enjoying it? She's enjoyed it as much as I had. And we actually have had conversations about the characters and about, you know, which one we like the best and and who's our favorite and and what we think about, you know, the peril that they're in or not in. It's a good read. It's recognizable. And it's just enjoyable.
1: Yeah, so Rick pretty much hit all the points that I was going to hit. Um, This is one of the books that falls in the same category to me as some of the other even bigger profile all ages series like lumberjanes where the inclusivity is part of the world without it hammering you over the head with it and is generally sort of an accepted part of that world. Um, the characters are diverse. The char- the plot is smart. It's a a slow burn and re- uh, pays f- uh, on multiple readings. As you can see, Whitley seeded bits and pieces at the very beginning that don't pay off until volume. You know, it was in volume one a little thing that won't pay off until volume seven or eight, but he's clearly has this sort of plan for this book. And you just, you meet these characters, many of whom start off seeming very stereotypical in a certain way. And you get into their story and it makes a twist to the right. And it's like, Oh, I did not expect the, character who looks to be the airhead to be the strategist of the lot. Or something like that. Whitley knows how to play with your assumptions and your expectations and how to twist them right on their head.
0: So, uh, how did you guys Mm -hmm. each find out about uh, this series? You know, Action Lab not exactly, you know, sort of big to one of your bigger publishers. You know, was it a word of mouth thing? Was it uh, stumbling on a random, you know, article online? What was, you know, How? what was your kind of way into this series?
2: I think I first heard about Jeremy Whitley when he was giving an interview on. Um, oh, I want to say it was War Rocket Ajax. I think he was talking to them about some work he was doing at the time on oh, uh, My Little Pony and then um, a Wasp. I think he was just getting into Wasp at the time, too. And mm-hmm. I think I, I heard about him at that point. He really kicked over my radar because I, I started reading Wasp. I was like, I like this a lot. And then he was announced as the then he was announced as the um, Writer for a future foundation, which was going to star Alex and Julie Power, and yeah. for some reason or another, I was also very interested in Power Pack. So <laughs> I, I was like, I need to, I, I need to catch that. And at the same time, when I found out about that, I was like, I, we need to get him on our show. We want to interview him, possibly before Future Foundation comes out, and just have a talk with. You know, you're going to be writing half of Power Pack. Tell us what you think about power pack. What so are your
0: intentions he... for my fictional children? <laughs> yeah.
2: Can we trust you? I mean, you look like you can handle teenage kids with powers pretty well from reading your, uh, from reading your wasp book, but, uh, you know, what, what are you going to do here? So in, in the course of interviewing and talking to him, that's when I first heard about princeless and I had to admit to him, I was like, I have not read princeless. And that seems to be a big thing that you're doing, but I will get on that. And that was about a year ago, and I think I think leading up to it, I ordered the books, and they came in after we interviewed him. But then since then, I have got all volumes here. And, yes, I read the first one. I was like, hmm, am I going to like this or not? Wow, I do like this. I need to get the rest of them. And, yeah, it was just I was interested in the person, and I read his work. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I went and I kind of did a little deep dive myself because I know I've been buying it in floppy since issue two or three, and I'd gone back and I got you know issues one, two, and three at the same time because I had stumbled across a review of issue one on some website. I was like, was it Comics Alliance back in the day or CBR? And I went and I did a little dig and I found okay, this was the review, and oh, it's was written by Kelly Thompson, who has now gone on to write some of the best Marvel books of the past few years. And I was like, well, I, I see that I had good taste in reading my reviews back in the day as well. And I tracked <laughs> down those first few issues at, you know, not even the comic shop I was, you know, working at at the time because we weren't stocking action lab. And by the beginning of the second series, I was like, okay, we need to order the trade for Volume One because I can hand sell the crap out of this book, and we need to start getting the floppies, mostly because uh, I want to get them, uh, yeah. <laughs> and w- which is how we got a lot of comics back when I worked in the comic book shop, and I, you know, I've been on you know on board since that first volume and have you know I've enjoyed the ride. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh. This is this is fascinating. I kind of want to get into this actually, because I, you know, I didn't think about that part of it. You know, Matt working at a comic shop and, and kind of hand selling those books that are not, you know, uh, the first thing people would think of when they walk into a comic shop. You know what I mean? Like, like what is your what is your pitch? You know, who's the person who comes into the store? You know, looking for something that you are like, okay, this is the book that you need to read. It's Princeless. It's about you know X Y Z. You know, how did you kind of find your your marks for this book?
1: Well, one of the things at the comic shop where I worked at the time, Dewey's Comic City, now open in the Cooper School, um, I was...
0: Again, someone, please sponsor our show.
1: Plug, (laughs) plug, plug, plug. Uh, You know, if you keep saying
2: that they sponsor the show, eventually they're going to have to cut you a check. Yes. (laughs) Hear that, Anthony?
1: Um, (laughs) Uh, I had the the strange place of being not just the you know the Batman guy, which I was, uh, but also the horror comics guy and the all ages comics guy. Uh, I have wide and varied tastes.
0: You contain multitudes. Tra-
1: I'm trying to find that Venn diagram,
2: it, it and it's- I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's man thing, but I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. On
1: it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someday I'll need to write that all-ages werewolf by night series. Someday. Someday. Uh, but, you know, I the horror comics kind of were, were an easy sell because most people, when they were coming in looking for a horror comic, they knew what kind of horror comic, they lo- what kind of horror story they'd like. Are they a werewolf person, a vampire person, a zombie person, a, a, you know, Silence of the Lambs person? And you were able to sort of go from there all ages comics are trickier because at, i mean i was working at do i mean i worked at dewey's from 2000 to 2015 and the the all ages comic boom had started by then and you had lots of captain underpants and wimpy kid people people coming in asking for those books And then it became, okay, once someone's exhausted that, where do you go next? And that was a trickier sell. I mean, the easy answer was always Bone. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of people who'd read those hadn't yet kind of gotten into the more hardcore graphic novel stuff that was Bone, and Bone was from Scholastic, and if I could sell them Volume 1, they could often find the other volumes at their school book sales or in libraries, but then something like um, Jimmy Gownley's Amelia Rules or Princeless weren't as readily available, but were really strong books for that age group. So I'd be like, okay, so you've read these, and Princess was a great jump, next step after Bone, because it was another fantasy series, but it's a fantasy series that touches on some more serious topics. I mean, Bone can get intense. I mean, it's pretty Lord of the Ringsy by the end, but the themes within Bone are very traditional fantasy themes, it's heroism and you know the coming into your own sort of thing, While princeless, as Rick said I mean touches on race and class and sexuality, which aren't as easy themes as the stuff in bone
2: you also you also have a a modern writing style in princeless yes it, it deals with uh, more of the um medieval time period and the more fantasy elements but at the same time it is written extremely modern it is it uses a lot of the modern vernacular some some slang in the modern and just the way that they interact with each other it's it's much more of a you know this is what the kids see when they look outside so it's a much more approachable that way
1: absolutely mm-hmm. uh, i mean i there are all sorts of all ages books that i would pitch but And also the honest truth is I'm a pretty passionate guy when it comes to talking about stuff I like. And so it's always easy for me to pitch a book I'm really into because it, it shows. And I think that's something that you'll see. And that's what you go to a comic shop for. Mm -hmm. If you didn't want someone to, be like no no really you're gonna love this you could go on comixology type in or amazon type in something and find a book you're coming into the comic shop because you want that experience
2: you want something you want to talk to the people who are the experts the you know people at the comic shop i've been to my local comic shop and you know just sitting around talking x-men with a couple of guys at the counter and the and all of a sudden somebody comes in like, yeah, my dad's interested in this kind of book. We want to get him something for his birthday. What do you suggest? And they're talking to the guy behind the counter. But you know the rest of us are going to get involved. Because we're like, mm-hmm. we've got opinions too. And we're bouncing ideas off of each other. And it's like, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. That's a good one. I think that conversation, I was like, have you thought You know, he's really into something very deep and world building? Try Lazarus. He can sink his teeth into that. And. You have these conversations, and you are going for those experts. You're going for what other people read. What is something else that's out there that, you know, here is what I like and what I'm interested in. Is there something out there that you know of that can hit those pleasure points for me? You may not know it. Dan may know it, but you're having that conversation because you're all in that same location. You're in that shop of knowledge, that local comic shop knowledge. Oh, and and let me tell you that is
0: that is that is an experience that i've missed with you know shops being shut down in in new jersey up until last week uh as we're recording you know because of covid uh you know uh on wednesday of last week uh matt and i just drove around to like uh four or five different shops you know masked up followed all the rules all all of that but it was just nice to be in a shop and just like kind of randomly look for things and, and spend that sweet, sweet discretionary income. I've been doing uh, curbside pickup at, at my shop since, uh, you know, May 20th. And, and, and that's, and that's fine. You know, the, the owner, I'm, I'm friends with all the staff there that, you know, they come out, place the books in the trunk and, you know, there's a quick exchange, but you know what I mean? I miss like hanging out there and having those conversations.
2: Yeah. 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 We've, we've, we've had, kind of tentative openings here and there. And when I've gone in, they got the plastic shields up and wear masks. I was in there talking with the guy. I was looking for some stuff and a mother came over there, two kids. It says we have to wear our masks. Is that the company rules or your rules? And I just wanted to turn around and go, it's the rules. Come on. (laughs) And the entire time she was in the store, the younger kid's like, I don't like wearing this. And I could just see the guy behind the counter just like, I want to kill them. I want to kill them. I want to kill them. And I'm like, can I please? <laughs> I mean, I'm there with, I think I was there with my daughter and my daughter's masked up and she's, you know, she's doing everything she's supposed to do. And she's giving me a look like, what's wrong with these people? I'm like, I can't tell you, honey. I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> uh, listen, if my three-year-old daughter could do it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And she's crazy, but uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs> she was, she was very good that entire time the three of us were out she never futzed with that mask she was just like yep okay this is what i do so i do it
0: caught her on a good day uh <laughs> <laughs> but back back to princeless uh so yeah so full disclosure uh i am one and a half issues in uh because i thought that originally you know, I would be able to borrow *Princeless* through through Hoopla, the sort of online library service, uh, only to find out that my local library does not have a a Hoopla presence. So, uh, which kind of leads me to wonder how it operated at all during the pandemic, since all library services were digital. But whatever, uh, that that's the complaint for another not here. But uh, I did buy the first volume on Comixology today for a very reasonable $6.99. So making my way through that but uh yeah that's where i am at with uh with all of this but you guys are all all caught up on it so
2: I, i'm caught up with the main princeless series i have not gotten really anywhere in the raven pirate series yet and i the thing was is that when i started reading i was going you know what i probably am going to like the raven thing more i think i am going to enjoy it i just i haven't Branch down that path yet i do have the first one and i'm going to be reading it it's in my stack i can't remember if it's above or below the big omnibus of uh uh oh stan sakai uh, Usagi. Usagi Usagi wow i could see <laughs> yeah. the letters i just couldn't say it uh i i don't know if i can that's below or above that but i gotta get through that so
1: uh, i i was gonna I, that was one of my questions if you'd Gone into Raven yet? I like Raven a lot. Raven's a mm-hmm. little more of a teen book. Just the mm-hmm. the characters are the romances are a little more fleshed out. The characters are a little older, so it is more of a teen romance book mixed with pirates. Uh, and the I won't say more. The second issue has some of the most scalding takedowns of the comic book reading awful guy you I have ever seen Whitley just like the oh you're a girl how could you be able to oh, Raven goes to recruit a crew and it's like oh like you cringe you at it but you see that like it's like oh these guys are all gonna get their asses handed to them by this girl it's gonna happen and it's gonna be delightful <laughs> and guess what it is (laughs) and it it is equally as inclusive as princeless it has a deep bench of characters all of whom are fun and quirky and it's I'm I'm waiting we've still got I believe two more volumes of that that have been solicited and have yet to come out Um,
2: see and and I don't know how much you guys know about uh, Jeremy Whitley, but he uh, he does have, I think, two daughters, Mm -hmm. and uh, and his wife is black. He's white, so Mm -hmm. race and gender issues are are big with him, and just it's almost like you can see him writing this to and about his daughters. It's it's very strong in that in that sense. And it's really nice to see it's you're almost there are times I almost feel like I'm listening in as he's telling his his girls a bedtime story. That's almost what it feels like.
1: Did you ever read the uh, Danny Rand Misty Night short he did? Hmm. Oh, it, it's in us. It was in an anthology, uh, a secret wars anthology, Secret Love. it's it's gurihuru art it's like Ah. six or eight pages and you know chef's kiss it is a great little story and you can probably find that book in a dollar bin at a con at this point as you usually can with uh crossover (laughs) tie-ins that are one shots in miniseries and it is well worth tracking down
2: yeah big Big fan of Guru Huru. Once again, I don't know why. Something about miniseries with Power Pack. Uh. But yes, Guru <laughs> Huru was also his uh, artist on the uh, Wasp series that he did too. Which, that's a series that ended too soon. And once again, another good all-ages book as well.
1: Amen. I've written fairly extensively on Unstoppable Wasp over the years. Because it is one of my favorite Marvel books of the past yeah decade at least just how smart it is and again this inclusive interesting cast of all these different characters who are just all so distinct and not just distinct within the book but distinct within the marvel universe
2: yeah
1: and are just fascinating (sighs) um (laughs) Yeah, no, just like how oh, that book ended too soon. <laughs> there's,
2: there's, there's a lot of good books out there, and I think that what Princeless shows is that not only do you have good books that get created for all ages, that can be smart, that can be thoughtful, that can be relevant, but it reminds you that there is an entire area out there that does focus on that all ages. You know, comics should be available for everybody, but I think we can all agree that there are some comics that are them more focused towards adults and not not even necessarily more focused towards adults but focused towards a more mature reading audience and it yeah. gets, too, gets into a deeper area that yeah, some kids are just not going to be as interested in. I mean there's a lot of comic books that I get now. I'm like I'm not even going to waive this by my daughter. I don't think she's really going to care that much. But there are a lot of comic books that are aimed more towards that all ages audience. And I don't think we should say young audience. I think it's all ages, because it still is something that an adult can enjoy, but it's also there it, primarily to help the kids get interested in this form of media. And not to say, we're going to suck them in, and they're going to be <laughs> ours forever. <laughs> we will teach you how to collect in backing board. No, it's not <laughs> like it's not like that. Yes, it is. But, um, <laughs> but it's also just here's another avenue for somebody who may not hasn't found a way to really enjoy reading and here's another way to get them to enjoy or to be a part of the reading experience and that's why you have things like princeless and why you have things like dc supergirls and why you have things like uh cardboard kingdom which i am not going to get off this i'm not going to get this podcast without mentioning cardboard kingdom because that is (laughs) fabulous but i mean there's a lot of things like this that, you know, my daughter has an eye out. She can spot a new one of these from a mile <laughs> away. And she comes up to me like, Daddy, can I buy this one? I'm like, yep, we can go ahead and buy that. So, you know, Shay Fontana, she did something wonderful with this series.
1: Oh yeah. No, I learned about Cardboard Kingdom listening to you talk about it on your show. And we've had Chad Sell on mm-hmm. our podcast. And I met him at FlameCon last year. Lovely guy. Yeah wonderful guy um but yeah uh tangenting a little and sort of tying this episode in with our previous episode of for the children have you gotten a chance to read superman smashes the clan yet (laughs) let me reach over i don't think i can get it from
2: here but i got all three (laughs) copies right over there i can i can see them i can see them they're right over there Yes, yes. The, the way uh, he's pointing and the way he talks again, about his
0: stack, I feel like he just like pointed up a mountain and it's just all books <laughs> that he still has to get to.
2: Oh no, no, no. That's that's all in the stuff that's that's been sorted. I mean, that's all in my, you know, <laughs> my uh graphic novel area. And I've got my, you know, boxes of comic books over there. This is the stack. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That Uh-oh. would be the stack. <laughs> that's the to-read <laughs> yes. pile. All right. You know that this right here is Uh, I've mentioned it. There's a comic book bar in Portland called the nerd out that was called the nerd out. It was one of the uh, things that suffered from the COVID Mm. and they, they were had to close, but they had people would bring him boxes of comic books and he would have three or four short boxes out that were comics free to take. And so we would come in, kind of flip through the boxes, grab things out, put things in. Well, Closing up his store, he um, he was selling as much stuff as possible. I went in there to buy some stuff, and he said, you will not leave unless you take at least three or four stacks of comic books. I left <laughs> with 10 pounds of loose comic books. <laughs> that stack there is what's left. I, I sorted through it, and I said, here's stuff I will never read. Here's stuff that's interesting. This is the interesting pile, and... It is random issues of random things, and it's just picking one off the top. I'm like, I'm gonna read uh, Captain America Annual Number Eleven. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to read uh, Damage Issue Number Six. Here oh. we go.
1: <laughs> I think I might have actually read that issue of Damage.
2: <laughs> I have read I I've read three Aquaman comics that were separated by eleven years, and then five years. It was fabulous. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, yes. Anyways, more on that later. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, Superman Smashes Smash is a clan. Uh, I can't remember right now who the uh, the writer is, but I know Gene he Luen, yes. was. Gene,
1: Thank you. Gene Luen,
2: yeah. Um, I remember reading, I think, the first or second one, and I was reading it around Christmas time while we were first or second was around Christmas time. We were down um, in Medford, Oregon and um, we were uh, sharing a place with my wife's sister and her family. And I was reading it and my wife's sister is a writer and she knows him, I think, or, or she's, uh, she's an um, American Asian and she does a lot with that community. I mean, she's friends with Greg Pak which is very cool.
1: <laughs> another great guy. Yeah.
2: She's like, I, I've asked for two favors down that route and he's given me both. So it's been, kind of, I've never <laughs> met him, but he sent me a recording for another show and he sent me a signed copy of Magneto Testament. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm kind of like, that's kind of cool. But anyways, no, I was, she was very fascinating. She was like, she was interested and she thought it was really cool. Uh, that the, the short story that was in the back, his, um, his kind of life story his biography. That's in the back of all three of those books. Another great and interesting all ages book, because it's, it was one that we had to have a lot of conversations with our daughter after she read it, because it's like, Hmm, you know, what is this talking about? What is this kind of, you know, what is the racism that we're seeing here? Because it's, a little bit more old time. It's back in the forties. It's, it's hitting some of those things, but also making it a little bit modern too.
0: Yeah. It's I, definitely I a combination of like the overt racism of the clan and also casual racism that you find every yes. day.
2: You know, and I don't I don't know about you guys, but I know that with the recent things and, you know, politics and all that stuff, uh, you find yourself having conversations with your family members about things that you never thought you'd have, or you should have had conversations with, and you find you're having them now, and it's very uncomfortable, and it's things that you have to do, and you feel better when you're done, but going through it is very painful. I had to mm. have the conversation with my daughter about, you know, what's systemic racism, and I'm a, I'm a middle-aged white guy, and I had to look at my half-Asian daughter and say, honey— I'm the problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, for me, my last name's Lazowitz. Guess what? There are, you know, I've had people say all sorts of, you know, unpleasant things to me over the years. But the funny thing is, I'm not Jewish. My dad's Jewish. My mom's a Catholic. So by any definition of Judaism, I'm not Jewish. But that doesn't stop people from, you know, assuming with that last name that, you know, I, I've had to deal with anti-Semitism and it's like, uh, and you know, in the middle of this whole thing, my brother just had his first daughter. And it's like, she's going to grow up in Texas with the last name Lazowitz. <sighs> no offense to, you know, our listeners who are Texans. I'm sure you are all fine people but there are people out, i mean hell new jersey is not exactly the uh you know it's the most tolerant of places in many places as well but it's it, it there's a lot that that makes you think about
2: i i it's something i didn't ever thought about growing up like i said you know we're three white guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know we, we, yeah We've got the white guy problems, but um, which is none. Uh, yes. But when I found myself, you know, it's like I've got a daughter who is half Asian, and she does not really look Asian. But you know, we have to have the conversation that if she ever has any problems, if if people ever say anything to her, if if she's ever you know faced with any of these things, and we have to you know, my wife's like you know. I had to go through this. I, you know, this is what I've experienced in my life. You know, I can read my sister-in-law's book, and she's very, very eloquent about the racism she had to deal with growing up herself. But this is the thing that, you know, my daughter has to go through, and it's the thing that I have to try to come to terms with myself. And I've had conversations with a few people around this community. About this, I've gone to a couple of panels that have been at the uh, Rose City Comic Con, where they talked about a lot of this kind of, you know, the racism that exists not only in the world but in within comic books itself. You know, writing diverse characters. How do you write diverse characters? Swinging it back around to what we're talking about, you've got you've got a white male, Jeremy Whitley, who is actually writing diverse characters extremely well. Yes, extremely well and I'm I I think he's been asked about it before you know how do you write it he goes I just write characters who happen to be diverse which is the secret to doing it it's if you want to write a good character write the good character and then make them diverse and don't change anything about the character you've written
1: they're people yep you touched on it because I was curious as I know that your daughter is half Asian and Whitley's mm. daughter is half African-American. And I'd, I'm curious how that had sort of impacted your reading of the book. I mean, it, it, there are different, it's clearly different experiences, sure. but there is that sort of, this is a father. I, I mean, you said something about you said your father writing this story for his daughters who wouldn't find easily a story with characters that look like them
2: yeah and I, I think that's the big piece of it too is finding things that you know that do represent people who live in our society and you you see a heroine who is african-american who is strong and independent and is able to make decisions and who is smart about what she does and owns up. And when she makes mistakes, and she makes lots of mistakes, but she owns up to her mistakes, and you have a well-rounded character. You don't have somebody who is the Mary Sue or anything like that. And you're not trying to make that. You're not trying to make another Wonder Woman. You're trying to make somebody who is going to be memorable and who people can relate to. And I think that's the big takeaway from that book, from Superman Smashes the Clan, where you have protagonists who are uh, who are uh, Asian American who live in a you know come from an Asian American community into something that is not, (laughs) and the Mm -hmm. the triumphs that they have to, or the the problems that they have to go against, but it's writing characters who are recognizable, and having heroes in the society who are recognizable, and that you can look up to. Um, And I just, I keep on thinking back to Sister-in-Law, she uh, she wrote a very great article where she was talking about her uh, hero growing up was Shaquan, And eventually she got to interview her and just how that made her feel, because this is, you know, her hero that she got to talk to and that she got to, you know, tell her what she meant to her, you know, looking up on screen and seeing somebody who looked like her. And she was in a situation where she was not surrounded by anybody who looked like her. So that's what that's what something like a visual medium like comic books can represent to a lot of kids. And it, it's in a format that is accessible to kids. They can look and say, hey, look, here's somebody strong, and here's somebody who is, who, who's able to take charge of their own life, and, here's, and they're able to do something, they're able to be something. And it's to inspire them and to move them into places where they can be better and greater. You have women doing STEM research and STEM type of things in the uh, Unstoppable Wasp this is what we want to see. This is this is what we want to encourage, and we want to have people read this kind of stuff. What do we, like, again, three white guys, what can we do about it? We can have conversations about these things. We can, you know, impress upon people that they need to have writers who do this. They need to have people to do this. And I love Jeremy Whitley to death. Great writer. You know, fantastic. And I'm glad he's doing what he's doing. But gosh darn it, why isn't he... <laughs> black woman doing it <laughs> i mean you know but be, I mean, just saying that you know we need people who can bring this kind of thing who can who can represent this type of work you know we we need some more shea fontana's we need some more people out there doing this kind of work and who and who are you know writing these kind of things david walker uh you know we we, we need christopher priest we need these kind of creators out there doing I, these kinds of things
1: I, I, i'm Waiting on bated breath for the return of Milestone. I-, I can't wait for to see what you know Dennis Cowan and the remaining Milestone founders can bring back because they said it's coming. And I mean, uh, I am saddened every day by the fact that we can't get any more Dwayne McDuffie.
2: Yeah. Well, I huru Let's uh, you know another you know. <laughs> So there's, there's creators out here who are giving us amazing stuff and we just need to keep supporting and, and, and celebrating their work.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I mean, one of the other things that, and that Whitley can do as a, you know, a guy writing these things is that there's a big theme throughout Princeless, not in Adrian's story, but Devin's. Mm-hmm. is that deprogramming of toxic masculinity. Yes. Because mm-hmm. Ash is, as Dan puts quite succinctly in the notes, uh, a
2: real Ash hole. Um, <laughs> because,
0: I was real proud uh, of myself.
1: Yeah, that was a good one. Because, you know, this is for the children, but we, do, we still do have that explicit rating, and dang it, we'll use it. And that Devin is a great character in that he has so many of the things you'd want from a leader and a ruler, but none of them are the things that his father, this big manly warrior guy thinks would be something that you would have as a masculine virtue. Ash is one of those people that what's the old thing about, you know, uh, when you have a hammer, every problem is a nail Mm-hmm. Ash has a sword and every problem is okay let me chop it down and devin is smart and devin is quiet and devin would be a diplomat and it it's showing the that both of these are equally valid and both of them are equally justifiable in being a man it's it's just we that fantasy trope of the king who hacks his way through the the briars is not the only option for a fantasy ruler. And Adrienne is absolutely her father's daughter. And it takes him most of the series to see that. Uh,
2: no, I, I agree. I think that uh, Devon and the entire relationship between Devon and King Ash and, and actually King Ash and Adriana, the the entire conversation, our our relationship that all of them have, and even with Mother, is very interesting. But um, if you guys want, if you guys want, we can ask what somebody else thinks about the book.
1: That's great, because my next question actually works really well for both of you. Uh, So, hi. Um, So I was going to ask next... Um, aside from Adrian uh, is there a favorite one of the. Uh, who is your favorite of the rest of her sisters? Because uh, I have a soft spot for uh, Alice or Elise. I'm not sure how that one's pronounced. As um, is,
3: whatever it is, as is the oldest?
1: Yes, the eldest, the scientist. She, she's my favorite of the sisters.
3: I kind of like the twins. I don't know why. I just like how they have the magic and stuff. Even though they argue a lot, you
2: know. Yeah. Look, wait, before you go for any further, um, who are you? Yes, <laughs> that's a very good question. Who
0: is this child that has appeared next to you, Rickless?
3: <laughs> um, my name is Carrie.
2: And what do you do for fun uh, sometimes on my show?
3: Oh, I do the voices of Katie. <laughs> I do the voices of Katie.
2: Yeah.
3: And I do sound effects and um I also talk to him sometimes. And every once in, you know, recently I been a part of the show. Yeah. Well
1: we are very glad to have you as our new guest as well. Big Mm -hmm. fans. Yes, big fans.
2: (laughs) So So, why do you like... Who did you say was your favorite again?
3: Um, I like the
2: twins. You like twins, and you you like twins because they their powers, right? Yeah. And, and they like to fight, 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 <laughs> fight, 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 fight.
1: <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, if I had powers, and I had... Um, my brother might not be my twin, but if I had powers, I'd show him what for.
2: <laughs> did you, now, are you caught up? I know I took the ninth, eighth and ninth oh. one out of your room. Did you catch read up all of them yet?
3: Yeah, I read those.
2: Okay, so you're all caught up then. What are you thinking about the series so far?
3: I like it a lot.
2: Is there any any particular part that I'm just going to take over. Is that okay, guys? Yeah, no, and <laughs> yeah sure. The question
1: you're about to ask is, the, is also a question I have coming up. So,
2: <laughs> what What is your favorite part of the book so far?
1: Um,
3: books. Um, I don't know, I just kind of like how the girl is just dressing up as a prince going, riding around on a dragon saving her sisters
2: So you just like the fact that she's going out and doing her thing, right?
3: Yeah, being free
1: Being
2: free
3: e.
1: and, and riding a dragon because who wouldn't want to do that?
3: <laughs> yeah, especially a dragon that kind of obeys you
1: Yes Because if the dragon didn't obey you it would be very difficult to write it.
2: Well, it doesn't land very well. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. At least <laughs> for true. her. At least for her.
3: <laughs> it kind of...
2: Crashes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys have other questions?
0: Uh, well, yeah, Carrie, actually, uh, you know, what, what other kinds of books, uh, you know, or, or, or comics do you like to read? Obviously, you know, your dad's got a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, what, what, other, uh, what <laughs> other things are you reading right now?
3: I'm reading this series called DC Super Girls. Very cool. Um I like it a lot. I don't know why. I just I just like it because it's superhero girls and the fact that they're girls.
2: So so that's kind of let me try again. So that's kind of an important part for you then is that you like to read things with girls, right?
3: Yeah, I like to read how like kind of like girl power
2: yeah that's i can get that is that also i know that you're also interested in reading and watching the descendants movies right
3: yes uh yeah
2: (laughs) but you're reading the books too yeah and why do you like those is that because the uh main uh the main person's girls
3: yeah And I don't know why, but I feel like I'm evil too.
2: Yeah, right. (laughs) You're not evil. I'm
3: kind of evil sometimes.
0: (laughs) Who isn't, Carrie? Who isn't?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you guys, you can only wish you had an evil child like this. (laughs) What do I tell you every night before I put you to sleep?
3: Don't be evil.
2: That's right. Every night, (laughs) her entire life, I put her to bed, I say, don't be evil. And so far, it's worked. (laughs) That's my parenting advice.
0: I have a similar uh, rule number one for my son. I always told him rule number one was don't be a jerk. So,
2: yeah, you're setting the bar a little low, though. I mean, he could still be evil and not a jerk. <laughs> That's true. Lawful evil is is very
0: yeah yeah. No, I get that. <laughs> I, I see the loopholes in my own system now.
2: <laughs> It'll bite you one day. It'll bite you. My uh. words. Is there anything else that you're reading right now?
3: Um. There's also a different version of DC Superhero Girls. Which one's that? It's, it's kind of a little bit, a little bit more cartoony, maybe. <laughs> um. Uh. And but the p- character personalities kind of are a little bit, you know, more related to the, to the actual DC stuff. Okay, but
2: um, and then there was a book that you had, uh, that you had mommy reading the other day it was the one about the kitty.
3: Um, yeah, it's called the Many Miss Avengers Adventures of Sebastian, and it's about this boy. He's like, he's like, um, he was a fiddler, but apparently he lost his his job, and um. So he was looking for something else to do and he happened to run run into a night into um a white kitty and he named it um Presto. Presto the white kitty.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you had mom and that's another uh, graphic novel, right? Graphic novel. Or, or was it a was it a comic book or was it a regular book?
3: It's a regular. Oh, it's book. a regular book.
2: Okay. Oh it looked like a. didn't look too close I thought it was a a comic book so but yeah thanks to the COVID thing and being an only child she Mm -hmm. has been reading a lot of different books
3: (laughs) and every once in a while I reread them and reread them and reread them
1: (laughs) that's That's good that's the beauty of a good book you can always go back to it and find something new
2: yeah do you have any questions for them <laughs> I like putting you on the spot, But <laughs> <laughs> nothing,
1: nothing, like asking two weird guys from New Jersey questions.
2: <laughs> hey, I have to teach her how to, uh, you know, to be safe and not talk to strangers. There we go. <laughs> I, she didn't have any questions prepared here. Uh, we've we have to start preparing some questions for our next interview, though. Yes. Ooh, who are you talking to? Do you remember who we're going to talk to? I told you.
3: John
2: Bogdanov. Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yep. yep. Going to talk to John Bogdanov. He's going to be on our show. We're going to talk to him in a, about three more weeks. Two more weeks. Yeah. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, we got to get some questions down for you. Do you guys have any other questions? Otherwise, I'll send her back upstairs so she can eat her dinner. No, th- thank you very no, much, Carrie. You.
1: Yeah, we m- really appreciate it. <laughs> Say bye. 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 Nice to see you. <laughs>
0: Nice to talk to an actual child on For the Children. (laughs) But, uh, you know, how uh, I guess, you know, obviously she's reading a lot, which, you know, Mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, You know, how into, I guess, that that comics life uh, is she? You know, are you are you taking with her, you know, with her to the shop? I mean, not now, obviously, but, you know, in the before times, you know, were you taking with her you with her to to shops and, and like cons and stuff
2: like that? Yes, uh, I was. The cons, she can't really go my speed at cons, so it was more of a sure. small, <laughs> small, you know, pop in, pop out. she kind of come with her mom, and, and my wife was just like, okay, we're here. Oh, this is neat. Can we leave? <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, no problem. Um, we We have a little bit more. It's kind of interesting because I actually take her to the shops now that they're opened with certain restrictions i only want six people in the store yeah they want to be masked up and my daughter's fine wearing a mask so she's come in with me a couple times even now to the shops um and you know when we when we go out we always mask up and we come home we wash our hands and things like that Mm -hmm. but uh i I tend to take her with me to those kinds of things Uh, on our show we've got her i've got her asking and talking to any of our interviews, so we we try to prep the questions a little bit that she's going to ask. But the last time we had um, Juliana Jones on, she came up with a question that was spur of the moment, and she asked it. And I was like, "Well, oh, I wasn't expecting that. that's a good question." But it, it's it is nice. It, it's kind of fun because I have certain comics I like. I've got certain things I enjoy. You know, we we have gotten her interested in Power Pack. She enjoys reading those. As far as matching what I'm doing, though, now nah, that's about it. Mm-hmm. I've never really gotten into DC that much. She hooked on to DC Supergirls, and she can tell me more about the characters than I know about the characters. It's very interesting because both my wife and I do like to read, and we didn't know how if we're going to get her into reading, if she's going to be interested in reading, what she's going to like reading. As long as you can encourage the kids to find something to read and have them come to it their own way... I think you're going to be fine. I I like playing video games and trying to get my daughter interested in playing video games has been a challenge. Uh, I got her to play Lego Harry Potter the other day and I found myself getting massively frustrated because she was just not understanding the controls. And I'm like, you just do this. Why can't you understand it? <clears throat> there are so many buttons she, now. They're, they're she, too, she, too many buttons. Yeah, she more or less enjoys just watching me play i uh-huh. think that she has no real interest in in the video games but she likes watching me play she's she, too oh you're playing this game and she gets really into it i've been playing the final fantasy 7 remake <laughs> thanks thanks a <laughs> lot you <laughs> are
0: <fault>. welcome <clears throat> folks go back and listen to our our sun cloud episode with charlie davis to see why uh rick has fallen down a hole
2: <laughs> man i I really didn't need to buy myself a PS4, but apparently I did. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I've been going through that, and my daughter's just like, "Yes, this is you know. Oh, you're on this part. What you know? How did you get Tifa on your team? Or wait, Tifa was on your team. Why you got Aerith on your team now?" And so she's following along with me. Although I did stop playing once I got to uh, Wall Market. I was like, "Yeah, this is now after hours playing for me." And my daughter <laughs> doesn't need to see this stuff. <clears throat> <laughs>
0: See, there's and a actually, bad man called Don Corneo, and he runs what's called a brothel. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> actually, my wife was like looking at me very ensconced with some of the language on that, thing, but I was like, "Whoa, this is not your kids, Final Fantasy VII." Oh, uh, oh my. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's it's- right. That was
0: that was the first game in the series with swears.
2: <laughs> so yeah, um, no, it's this is very interesting um i will say i was kind of proud while she was talking to you Mm -hmm. she was answering your questions much faster than she was answering mine when i interview her for my show which is (laughs) a little upsetting but that's okay maybe the fact that it's live and she knows that i'm not gonna have to sit there and edit that
1: Mm. Uh. (laughs) we are professionals after all this is what we do (laughs) liars i was yeah. gonna say who's who's we <laughs>
2: we're gonna go back to we're gonna go back
1: to saga now liar <laughs> <laughs> oh i am really glad that i don't have a lying cat
0: <laughs> well you have a cat that lies on you
1: yes i do <laughs> that is a very valid point she's a different kind of lying cat oh best <laughs> So I'm curious, uh, since we got Carrie to answer the question, uh, Rick, were there particular volumes, particular bits or arcs of Princeless that really jumped out at you?
2: Hmm. I I think I liked the relationship with Bedelia and Adrian a lot. And I think one of the disappointing parts of the series, spoilers, uh, is, is when... They diverge, their past diverge Which I understand from a storytelling Storytelling standpoint, that had to happen But I really miss that relationship And I, there's part of me that's kind of like But they can't split up Because they're bound to be They're they're bound to have a relationship They must have a relationship, right? (laughs) Yes Uh, But I kind of I, I found myself really Rooting for that which I thought was interesting. Um, and I, I think the other thing that I really like too is I, I like all of the times that Adrian has, has failed and she has to reinvent herself. I think the, the most pivotal moment is where she did the, uh, the Samson treatment on herself yep. and, and, and how that really changed her character when she finally had her own epiphany about who and what she was and how she can move to her next better self, how she could level up. And I, I think that that was a, a a very strong element of really defining who she was. Plus, it was very, it was very telling in a in the racial component as well.
1: Absolutely, there was a, there was
2: a very heavy piece of that as well in there.
1: Yeah, that was one of that is one of the issues that absolutely jumps out at me as one of the the high points of the series. That uh, volume five issue zero is is really an impressive feat, And again, one of those moments that you really feel like this is Whitley writing to and about his own daughters and his own Mm -hmm. family. Yeah. Uh, I I have a soft spot for every time Adrian sees one of her sisters and realizes that saving them doesn't mean the same thing to them. That it means to her, and especially since I mentioned her as my favorite of the sisters, um, when she meets Alice and realizes that Alice actually found her prince, and the prince is a decent, good guy.
2: Oh, he's more than decent. He is like I, the epitome of perfect. I mean, yes, and,
1: I love, and they, and, they,
2: and they go out of their way to say that he, he's he is perfect. He is he is exactly
1: what you want. Right, and he's. Everything that you, you know, you've, you've seen that, I mean, Ash isn't a terrible guy to his wife. He's just sort of oblivious. He doesn't mm-hmm. see what's right in front of him, while Alice and her husband are a perfect partnership. Right. And without spoiling too much, but giving you a little tease, as you get deeper into Raven, you'll find out more about him. Through oh, cool one of the members of Raven's crew Uh, I will say no more but that's just a little thing it's it's later in the series but you'll get there and it's I don't remember if they ever actually called out by name but it's one of those subtle things where it's like you kind of put two and two together it's like oh she's talking about oh (laughs) and again that's that the this game of three-dimensional chess that Whitley is playing across both of these series
2: yeah i I think he does a really good job with the characters with um h- how they interact with each other and, and like we said from the beginning, just how they subvert a lot of the forms and functions of it, and it's just it it's really sad that Dan can't really be part of this conversation yeah yeah it, it brings a tear to my eye we'
1: we'll, we'll <laughs> get you there we'll get you there. This is payback. This is payback for Final Guys,
2: listen,
0: I'm doing lots of great listening right now. I just want to point that out. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's kind of touching on something that, uh, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier. But, you know, I, I think you could say easily that these kids today, uh, you know, pretend I'm saying that in my, in my grumpy old man, Jack Power voice, uh, are are spoiled in terms of you know, graphic novels aimed at fostering their interest in comics. You know, there's definitely this this bell curve, you know, from like the sixties into the nineties and then coming back down of like comics trying to get away from any sort of, of connection to perceived childishness, you know, and then you've kind of got bone and then it comes back down. You know where now? You do have your 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 Dog Man and your Reina Talgamire and and Princeless and, uh, you know, uh, Superman smashes of the Clan and uh, Spider Man and Venom double trouble. Uh, just thinking of more things drawn by Guru uh, Guru uh, that I've been making my son read, but uh, or that he has been reading because I gave him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Too much of a peek behind the curtain, but uh. You know, Rick, you know, what comics do you remember reading when you were a lad of your daughter's age, if, if, if any, you know, were you a bone guy? Was it just kind of standard superhero stuff? You know, what was your gateway drug?
2: You know, I, I think that I got into comics probably about fourth, fifth or sixth grade. So just a little bit older than than my daughter. Mm-hmm. I can still remember the first couple of comics I picked up uh, and I could probably look at the timeline and exactly tell you when, cause they were actually on the spinner rack, but it was the um, fantastic four issue where they were fighting Diablo and it was the fantastic four with uh, the, where the thing was in charge and it was the thing and um, I want to say crystal and miss um, Marvel the, uh, the and I, Sharon Ventura Miss Marvel. Yeah, the Sharon Ventura Miss Marvel, and it was where they were fighting fighting Diablo, and that was a comic book that for, somehow I've it's gone on my collection. wasn't I can remember everything about it because I read it multiple times, but I got that one and I got the Incredible Hulk, the second half of the two parter with X Factor, and I was like, Ooh, Incredible Hulk! Who are these X Factor people? They are very <laughs> interesting. And that was my gateway drug right there. Because I got into the entire mutant side and it was X Factor, X-Men, New Mutants, and I was off to the races. So, um, yeah, I I have that early run of X Factor Mm -hmm. uh, all the way up to about 90, I think it is. I've got all of New Mutants. I've got all of Alpha Flight. I've got my chunk of X-Men goes from around 137, on to straight up to two eighty, something like that. That's nice. where went to college. So I mean, I got some I got some money in the game there. I got some skin in the game there. <laughs> so that was that was when I dove into comics, I dove hard. Um and of course in there as I'm reading all these comics, I'm like, <laughs> who's this this power pack? I'm really interested in Power Pack too. And I got all the power pack because I didn't realize it at the time, it's like, all this stuff that I like is all written by about the same people, <laughs> Louis Simonson, <laughs> um, gee, kind of the, the common thread. But no, uh, so I think that prior to that, I was really, in, and around that time, I was really into fantasy and sci-fi, and that was my bread and butter. I liked Anne McCaffrey and Dragon Dragonriders of Pern, um, big fans and at the time, Dragonlance, um, I, I, I just, uh, a lot of those kinds of books. Uh, Robin McKinley's Here on the Crown, which I know I've talked about on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was into that entire fantasy run. Then at an early age, I remember that my mom was a reading teacher and she had to read uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy for something. And so I saw the books there and I just picked them up and I started reading them. And my mom said, i just fascinated that I'm just talking Lord of the Rings with her. <laughs> and I'm like, I was. <laughs> kind of probably too young to really get most of it. But I'm like, I'm trying to get this and I want to talk about it. So I was, I was really got the fantasy bug early on. Um, and we're trying to, you know, we've been just trying to foster a lot of that with my daughter too. We have a very extensive book library that <laughs> majority <laughs> of it's mine. My wife has read a lot of books, but she has never really collected a lot of stuff. Um, and then she came into my life's like, like, what's all this stuff? Hi, honey, you married a collector.
1: Yep. My, my wife...
2: Don't could, throw could, much away. <laughs> yeah, my,
1: my wife could share a similar experience. You know, They, they could uh, commiserate. Cause my, my wife, she has her Kindle, and she has a million books in that Kindle, but she's perfectly happy to have that one thing she can walk around with. Me, it's like I look and I just see the stacks and shelves of hardcover books and it's like yep
2: yeah like i said th- this, this is our spare bedroom and i recently built another bookshelf right above the computer here and there's two bookshelves over here and one entire one of those bookshelves over there is all graphic novels trade paperbacks anime section i got some trade paperbacks up here but i got one well, of my old books up here and i I, I built that because i Was busting out these In the other room That's where we have our library (laughs) (laughs) That's where all the books are Um, That's my wife's office And she's like This is not really my office I'm like why? You know we got the books and stuff She goes Yes but there are swords everywhere Why do you have so many swords and knives and a throwing axe? And and, oh, yeah, I also got a whip chain now. She goes, I saw that. Where did you get that? (laughs) "Eh, It's a whip chain. I couldn't say no. Yes, you could have. (laughs) Listen, if you
0: have to deal with a home invasion or 30 to 50 feral hogs, you are set.
2: (laughs) I do not have a weapon. I, I do not have a firearm in this house. But if Vikings attack, they better beware. They're all set. <laughs> I got I got two Highlander swords that are ready to say there can be only one, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Damn right. <laughs> no, uh
2: yeah, I yeah, my I enjoyed reading as a kid, and, and I've always enjoyed it. And I, I think that I think that what comic books do bring to kids nowadays, I, I I think you're right that 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 this is a bear, embarrassment of riches for ways that people can kids can come into comic books or kids can come into reading or entertainment in a variety of ways. I mean, we have streaming services that can tap into anything you want. Our family just busted through the last six seasons of MythBusters because it's family friendly and we can well mostly family friendly and we can talk about those kinds of things. We have so much stuff available to us, and I think the the problem one problem is sorting through it and finding the good stuff finding the stuff that's really appropriate the other problem is is that we still have people out there that prevent or resist the things that are available being given to their kids we still have people out there that are censoring good material we still have people that are telling that are refusing to allow their children or other people to read things that are good that are are that will challenge people's minds that will challenge people's expectations by saying that it is evil, that it is wrong, that it is disgusting or dirty, and it's not. And I think that that's that's another thing too is that while there is all this stuff that's available, there are still people in places where you can't get to some of this stuff. Princeless is really good, but guess what? There are things in this in these books that some people would find incredibly offensive. And that's the problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, the Raven, one shot, or was it something? Was a free? They did a free comic book day. Princeless issue, and it was a reprint, I think, of the first Raven issue. And when we had it at the store, my my boss like, we're gonna put it with the teen stuff. I'm like, why, well, Dan? It's an all ages book. Because he was also mm-hmm. Dan. And he's like, yeah, I know that, but. There are people in this town who would not think that and for keeping the store out of any controversy, we need to play it safe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he did the same thing with Lumberjanes, and it's like these are and right, these are all ages comics because there's nothing in here that should offend anyone. Mm-hmm. Should and would are very different things though. Mm-hmm. Sadly.
2: No, I mean I mean it's the problem that exists. It's people are fine with seeing romance as long as the romance is between a man and a woman. But if you mix it up at all, well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't show that to kids. Why? You're showing kids the same romance stuff. It just happens to be between a man and a woman. What's the problem? You know, most kids out there are kind of like, ew, gross, I don't like the kissing stuff, so what are you worried about? <laughs> <laughs> what are you worried about, okay? They're going to like the kissing anyway, so who cares? But what they're showing is that they're showing the two people who care about each other care about each other. Yeah. That's what they're getting out, and it doesn't matter about race, sex, religion, anything. That's what matters. You want to talk great show? You talk Shira the new oh, Shira yeah. Netflix show once again oh, it's hitting all of those buttons and it's being done smartly and it's being done by a great creative teams and it's and it's smart for adults and it's accessible for kids and guess what they break barriers with with stereotypes with with sex with with relationships it's it's wonderful and that's what we need to be celebrating more and we need to keep opening up those doors
1: absolutely I, I still haven't Watch the final season yet, yeah, parts Because I don't want to get—I don't want to get to the end. It's like it's man. I almost
2: spoiled it for you right there, man. I almost spoiled it for you. I mean, Stephen. Hey, hey, Dan, Dan. Ten yes, bucks. Rick. Ten, ten bucks. <laughs> A spoiler for him. <laughs> <laughs> revenge. You say the word, man. Revenge.
1: <laughs> your best or, or as you say Ven-mo-ing. on our show, revenge. <laughs> I mean, Stephen Universe will. I've watched every episode of Steven Universe, half a dozen times at least, and it it breaks so many barriers, and it's just so, it's so wonderfully wholesome. I don't know how. I just sit like, how could you be offended by characters who just love each other? I don't. I don't. The rational part of me, the part of me that looks at me, and is like, okay, well, I see why because you're. Closed minded. That's why. But the part of me that's, you know, me like, but they just love each other. Why, why? What is it? What is wrong in that? And I think that's the point we. <laughs>
2: we can get really, really political on here, but Dan's really going to be mad at us. He's got to edit this thing somehow, and I don't know how we're going to do it. <laughs> hey, Not I John. edited the last time you and Jeff were on the show. So. <laughs> We were all over
1: the board.
2: Yeah, you get Jeff and I in a room together, we 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 tend to have a lot of fun.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Oh, no. Dan and I know nothing about, you know, that with the two of us for all these years. No, not at all. We, we, we... There's a reason why we tell our guests tangents are welcome, because Dan and my conversations are basically one giant tangent
2: well i'm looking around here and when i started this off yes i did have a small stack of you know princess books and the three dc superhero books but now i like uh, i've got a stack of books back there i got a giant stack of comic books up here i'm like where did all this stuff come from i'm just talking on the phone i'm talking on the computer here and well, I, I can bring more stuff down if i need to I, I got a big old chunky juggernaut up there i can bring down <laughs> uh, you you
0: yeah. could get the stuff out of your wife's office. I'm sure she'd appreciate it.
2: Hey, I, I, I told her the other day, I said, I'm, I'm going to make this a little bit better for you. I'm rearranging some of the stuff on the walls. I will take down all of the uh, comic book toys I've got on the walls over here and put them into a different room. See, you got some extra room. She goes, thanks. Really, thanks. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a very uh, unpacking the power of power pack question. Little put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, this, is this is a pop al- quiz. <laughs> so we are talking about an all ages series, but I'm gonna ask this question regardless of whether it's bad. Uh, what kind of beer pairs with Princeless?
2: Oh, that's easy. Quaffable beer. You have to go a. You have to basically go with and and I don't drink this kind, but you have to go with a Coors Light. Or, or something of that nature, something on the lower end, the, light, the lower gravity spectrum, because you're dealing with a lot of mead halls and those kinds of things. So you're looking for quaffable beer, and especially with the amount of dwarves that are there, you just need to just be able to open the gullet and throw it back, and you need to be able to do that a lot. Now, I've been on a few, I have been on a few uh, SantaCon uh, bar hopping trips. I was in charge of our small group, and for the three years that we did it we would average about 13 bars we would hit and I would be drinking at every single one. And I found out very early on that the way you do that is you go to the lower gravity beers and you're fine that night because <laughs> you're drinking water. I'm like, wow, that looks like a good little uh, stout over there. I am not going to be drinking that because I want to survive the night and I got a lot of bars to get through. So that would be my, my first pick. But, um, I think for some of the other parts of the book, I think a good, uh, meaty... I would have to go with probably one of my favorites, and that would probably be uh, Breakside Brewery's um, Salted Caramel Stout. First of all, mm-hmm. I love stouts, and this is one of my favorite beers, and it's a seasonal. I think I've got a small stockpile still on the other side of the wall over there. Um, I need to get some of them the refrigerator so I can have some sometime. But it's a seasonal salted caramel stout that it just is tasty it really tasty but i think that would be a good one with this because that's a good beer where you can sit with your friends in a nice place and have a good conversation and i think that that's what the princeless book would actually need Uh, off the top of my head i can't think of any beers right now that are called princeless or prince i would have to do some research at my john's marketplace because that's where i usually get my beers it's me wandering the halls trying to find a good beer that matches Alright <laughs> I'm always Just ready to talk about beer too yeah. Excellent
1: uh, So as we're, we're Getting to, to the wrap up here uh, I mean, Granted this is only the second Of these for the children we've done But uh, the sort of End discussion question That I think is going to be Consistent throughout is uh, Where does the age group The starting age group For this book Fall where is the that that sweet spot where we're, where you're like yes this person can easily be handed this book and able to go and run with it?
2: You know, I I, I this may sound like a cop out question, but I I think we really need to revisit the question of what is the perfect age for somebody to read X, or was the perfect age for somebody to see Y? Because I think that it is it really is going to matter on the audience that you're looking for. Um, my daughter, at a young age, could handle something like this, could handle something with a little bit more meat than this, even. Um, she could read and comprehend a lot of stuff at a young age, and that's some of just how we we interacted with her and we talked about things with her in her own knowledge base and growing up. Now, at the same time, she has friends who watch movies and consume media that is um, that I think is age appropriate but is much more violent than she is willing to accept. My daughter is very sensitive when it comes to violence and when it comes to things on screens. You got a zombie up there. She is in the other room. It doesn't matter if it's a play zombie it's a it's a it's a cartoon zombie. It doesn't matter. She do not play with zombies so. Talking about what media is perfect for which age, it is going to be something that it, it should be between the adult, the child, and the material. Um, at a certain age and a certain maturity level, I think that all children should be able to access anything they want. Uh, there is some things that that are out there that I think that you know parents, reasonable parents, should kind of check through and have conversations with their kids with. But something like Princeless, I. As long as they can understand and comprehend the material, if they can pick up and read and you're willing to talk to them about anything they come across, when did they start reading at that level? I mean, that that's really the conversation that you should have with a kid. I don't think that there's personally I don't think there's anything in here that is upsetting uh, or, or, or scary or anything that is going to be shocking for any child. So I don't think that there is a baseline for this book at all. But I do think that there is still stuff that's in here that is going to spark some conversations. And I think it's for good conversations. You know, why are the girls in, in you know, why, why did dad, their dad think that putting them in, in uh, towers was a good idea? Um, you know, why, why is, why is she strong and why, you know, why, why is her brother being picked on like this, you know? Why does her daddy treat her brother like this? Um, what does these relationships mean? You know, if you want to have conversations with your kid as a reading, you should. But I don't think that there's anything in here that. Yeah, that should stop any, any child from picking this up and reading it.
1: Yeah. That's, a, that's a great answer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um well, yeah, uh, Rick, this has been uh, a, a rocking good time. Uh, you know, how can people follow you and support, you know, the things that you're doing, uh, you know, podcast, etc.
2: Well, if anybody needs to find me, I am out on the Twitter sphere at Jeff and Rick present. It's a uh, shared uh, account that me and my friend both do. Uh, Jeff, we do a little show and I do the show with my cabin boy, Jeff. Uh, it's called <laughs> Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. And On our show, which is a podcast you can find anywhere you look for podcasts, Uh, we talk about the most underrated comic book from the 80s, Power Pack, which is about four little kids who get powers from a magical space horse, and they go on adventures, and it is a delightful romp, and we are... Wow, we're at 60... Ooh, I gotta hear. We're at 60 issue or 60 episodes in. Uh, 61 will be coming out next week. Uh, We've also got a Patreon account as well. And... I have a new show that is coming out some point in time. Ooh. It's going to be on the long box network and it is called a uh, monthly Monday movie muck about. <laughs> <laughs> and it is going to be a little show I'm going to do once a month and it's going to be dropped on some Mondays whenever they get around to dropping it. Um, I've done I got one episode done. I got another one. I'm in the middle of editing, but it's going to be me finding some friends who have not seen a movie that I think is great they haven't seen the movie yet so we talk about it then i send them off to go see the movie they come back and we talk about what they thought does it meet their expectations or not what are some the high and low points kind of getting a first-timer's perspective on a movie that is great so the first episode uh, is going to be all about the crow i found my friend nicholas prom from uh, comic reflections he had not seen that so we sat down one night we talked about it and the other one is uh, jared albert to the yard sale artist from long box crusade he had never seen mr smith goes to washington so we sat down and had a nice conversation about that and um uh, i throw it out here to you guys if you guys would ever like to participate let me know because i need to start filling up some spots <laughs> it's, I, yeah. it's a very simple little show it's gonna be kind of fun but
0: yes no i would Jesus. happily be a uh, willing guinea pig for that <laughs>
2: Yeah, you can find that on the long box, But otherwise, you can find most of the stuff at Unpacking Power Power Pack or Jeff and Rick present.
0: All right. Well, Rick, thank you, uh, thank you once again for uh, coming
2: back on the show and talking princeless with us. Hey, it is my pleasure. I like what you guys do, and I think you do it very well. Aww.
0: That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQNA and WMQ Comics are now part of the Xavier Files Media Empire, meaning you can find all our great comics coverage, along with some of the best X-Men and Marvel criticism around, at xavierfiles.com. You can listen to wmq and on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at xavierfiles.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at patreon.com slash wmqcomics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shout-outs on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice, and a $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail for my collection. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Young Ones and Match Club podcasts, Robert Secundus from DocsTalks at XavierFiles.com, Scott Madrinsky from Mojo'sWork.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel Spider-Woman series, Saren, and Lan M. from Lands Vids. You can follow WMQ Comics and Xavier Files on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. Not a fan of social media? Sign up for our weekly Q newsletter, which gives you our best content every week in your inbox, plus sneak peeks at what's ahead and an early look at our Sunday editorials. And until next week, in the immortal words of Abraham Lincoln, be excellent
3: to each other.